Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. So now, we step back into the ring, back into time. We get hooked up with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller to find out what's happening in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee and what's going on in old school wrestling. What's up, Ron? Oh, geez, man. Uh, another beautiful day here. Wow. 72 degrees this morning. Just perfect and beautiful blue skies. Uh, great deal. Uh, made a little move, man, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I moved away from my bear, man. <laughs> Had to. Okay. You know? Uh, bear was getting a little too friendly. Well, so, uh, when he's knocking on your door, Ron, that's probably a sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's been doing that some, you know. So, uh, so, but we only moved about 20 miles away. So we're over in Sevierville, which is uh, right there still in the edge of the Smokies. Yeah. We're not quite in the mountains like we were, Yeah, but we can still see them. And really what I think the bear intended was to be washing your car as opposed to just rubbing it with its claws. So I, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, if you saw that boy's feet, uh, yeah. that boy had some of the biggest feet I've ever seen on a bear, man. I don't know. He, yeah. he would have, he had the mittens for washing the car. I can tell you that he, he had the feet for it. Hey, listen, I know, <laughs> I know you've been busy the last couple of weekends on top of moving stud appearing at a Comic-Con event in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and the Fanboy Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. I know you enjoy that kind of stuff. It's got to be a lot of fun for you. Oh, yeah, man. It really is. You know, I enjoy them very much, Dave. Really, I do, man. And it gives me a chance, man, to personally meet so many friends from my social media sites, uh, people that I've known way back in the past, uh, just old-time fans. And uh, had a great time in both Gatlinburg and Knoxville. Uh, both those shows were two-day events, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, and uh, uh, thanks for bringing it up because, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody that came, man. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the next show, which is actually going to be just around, unless something new comes up for me, it's going to be uh, right around uh, that Thanksgiving weekend. It'll be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, And it's a huge one, Dave. Uh, they... Last year, they had 9,000 people. Wow. Wow. A lot of stud fans in that. All right, listen, and speaking of shows, the stud cast have been on fire, Ron. 
Records are getting broken every week now. The addition of the second territory, southeastern Gulf Coast, located in Pensacola, Florida, combined with what was already happening where you are right now in southeastern Knoxville territory, makes what you're doing in wrestling back in 1978 absolutely unique. Nobody was doing anything like that. Well, that's true, you know, and, and I, I basically doubled the size of my original Southeastern Territory in Knoxville. And at the same time, I doubled the number of wrestlers that were working for me. So uh, we were in 1978 uh, being seen basically from the Gulf of Mexico to almost the state of Ohio. And I had gone from having the best little territory in the history of the sport in Tennessee to having one of the largest territories in the world. We added southeastern Gulf Coast. Wow. All right. The really exciting part about all of this is the fact that in the coming episodes, you're going to be having a wrestling war expand southeastern Gulf Coast even more with the addition of Birmingham and northern Alabama and into Mississippi and Georgia. That's what makes this unique wrestling history ride so much fun. And speaking of that, where are we going to be riding today? The title for the studcast has got me intrigued. It's called Hair versus Hair and Judo Jacket. I'm assuming you're going to tell us why. Yeah, yeah, I guess we're going to have to get to that, Dave. So we might as well jump right on it, man. So the Northern <laughs> Territory, Southeastern Knoxville, uh, these are the main events, basically, for the two territories. And then the North, it's headlined by a July 28, 1978 card that featured a hair versus hair match in which the loser got much more than just a buzz cut for his loss. Uh, he's going to get his head shaved. And uh, so that match was uh, between my brother, Robert, and uh, Don Carson. And then we're also going to be talking about the history of the matches between those two men, which there is a long string of matches between my brother and Carson in the southeastern territory of Knoxville. And we'll also talk about the rest of that great card on July the 28th. And then we'll discuss the TV that promoted it, the results of the card. We'll talk about the attendance there. And uh, and then we're going to discuss some of the new talent arriving there as well. Hmm. Hmm. So then we're going to ride south into southeastern Gulf Coast. And we're going to find out what the judo jacket part of this studcast title is all about. And uh, it's another great card in that territory that was absolutely exploding in attendance, man, in every city down there at this point. And we'll take a look at the TV that promoted the judo jacket match in Mobile, Alabama. That match in the same card was in also Dothan and in Montgomery, but it's in Mobile on Tuesday night, August the 1st, 1978. And we'll talk about the results of that card. We'll talk about the attendance there. And we'll also talk about some new talent that is arriving down there. And then hopefully, Dave, we're going to have enough time for another learning tree question as well, man. <laughs> hey, it sounds like you've got this thing loaded up. I mean, the wagon is not going to hold anymore for this one, stud. Let's ride into Knoxville's Chill Howie Park Amphitheater. Get this thing underway. I think we're looking at Friday night, July 28th, 1978. Let's get to wrestling. All right, my man. So, you know, it was another great Southeastern Knoxville card. Uh, it began with a new guy, Steve Kyle. It was his very first night wrestling in Southeastern. And he's wrestling against Ted Allen, who was only his second appearance in Southeastern at that point. And, uh, you know, some fans, Dave, uh, may find this fact interesting. Uh, Ted Allen 
who is there for his second time, is going to train one of the all-time greats about four years later, Arn Anderson. <laughs> wow. So, you know, wow. got to give him credit for yeah. doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, uh, the gorgeous George Jr. is returning after almost three months. He's going to be wrestling Rip Smith in the second match on that card. And then the first of two championship matches, this one is for the Southeastern Tag Belts. The champions, Dennis Convery and Phil Hickerson, obviously managed by Ron Wright, were defending against Jimmy Golden and Bob Root. Then there was a Southeastern Championship match. The Mongolian Stomper, managed by Don Carson, was defending his title against the undefeated rising star man in Southeastern in that time frame, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Malenko was finally getting his long-awaited Russian death match against Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> He'd been waiting for four months, basically, <laughs> to get this one, and he was finally going to get Ronnie Garvin in, his, in one of these Russian death matches. And in the main event was a no time limit, no DQ. There had to be a winner, and it was hair versus hair, and the loser got his head shaved, and that was my brother Robert against Don Carson. Okay, so that's an incredible card right there. Two title matches. Finally, Malenko gets his Russian death match, and someone's going to get their head shaved. So what was on the TV show? You had to have this thing set up, and I'm sure you did a great job on that. Six days before this match to get everything laid out. Well, Les told me about this TV later, because obviously I was back down south and I wasn't able to see it. Uh, since I had flown back the, the weekend before on Sunday back into Pensacola and started back there again, wrestling. So this show in Knoxville opened up with Les running down the cart. And when the cameras backed away from Les, uh, he was sitting next to a heavily patched up brother of mine, Robert, from the night before. And the still shot behind them was from the January 15th, 1978 Coliseum show. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it they, we backed up a long way, six months to find this shot. Uh, and it was taken uh, six months and two weeks earlier. And it showed Rob about to cut Ron Wright's hair after beating Ron Wright in a hair versus hair match mm -hmm. on that night of January 15, 1978. Hmm. So, uh, you know, and that probably came as a little bit of a surprise to the fans, you know, they, and so less, you know, we had to, Briefly, he told the fans out there watching that uh, still what the still shot was all about, and he reminded fans of the date and kind of a little bit about what had happened. And then he had the director roll the video, and then uh, in the video, uh, Rob's got the uh, Ron right down, and he's got the clippers and about to cut his hair. And Don Carson appears on the screen behind Rob. <laughs> he loads up his peanut butter glove, man, and uh, and he knocks Rob unconscious. And uh, then he takes the clippers laying there on the mat and Ron Wright helps him and uh, they cut Rob's hair even though he won the match I mean it was a, a nasty deal uh, from beginning to end so uh, when the video continued it showed Carson nail Rob uh, and he showed him take the clippers showed him cut Rob's hair and uh, then Rob reminded everyone that he had won the match and Carson had no business being in the ring much less cutting his hair after Rob had won and he said he had never forgotten that night, you know, and uh, now finally he, he had signed the match and he had his chance to get even six months later. So he and Carson would be meeting and this time 
it was going to be Carson's hair on the line as well as Rob's. So that said, the fans went crazy when they heard what was coming the following Friday. Obviously, they didn't expect Carson to put his hair up. So uh, Rob left the set, and Don Carson went to the ring. Wow, the fans hated him. As you know, man, the fans just hated Don, and, uh, <laughs> and they let him know it as soon as he arrived in the studio. And then he mm-hmm. finished off a young wrestler, uh, busted him open with his peanut butter glove, and he pounded him, uh, and probably it was intentional, so that he could finally draw Rob to have to come to the ring. Rob finally came to the ring, got in the ring, and Carson got out. Uh, without without attacking Rob, but at least you know he 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 got to bloody somebody up, and I'm sure it made old Don feel a lot better. And uh, so uh, so then Carson went to the set, and uh, and he watched what he had done the night before in the match with me and Ronnie Garvin against the great Malenko and the Stomper. Uh, that match looked tremendous, man. In the video, it was with more than six thousand fans in the amphitheater. Uh, the crowd was massive and they were extremely loud. And uh, Carson, uh, in this video that he showed, he was working over my brother, man, and uh, who was out there seconding me and Garvin in this match. And Rob was bleeding pretty badly. That's why he had started out the program all bandaged up. So, so uh, Rob said, you know, Carson uh, several times uh, ran his hands through his beautiful blonde hair, as he called it. You know, during the interview, Rob told me about what happened in this first part of the TV. Because I discussed these things with Rob and uh, Les afterward. And he said Carson, you know, rubbed his hair and through his hair, you know, his blonde hair, bleached blonde hair, I might add. And, uh, and, and how, how beautiful he was. And he said no one had ever won a hair match against him in his life and never would. And that Robert Fuller was about to be bald again six days later just like he was six months ago. So, and then they both had interview time immediately after the first segment of the show. Uh, then uh, Kevin Sullivan lit the studio up, Max. You know, when he entered, he was in the second live match and Carson and the Stomper came to the set for comments about uh, Kevin Sullivan because he was their opponent the next Friday night and he was getting his first shot at the Southeastern Championship belt. And, uh, Personality profile for this one was live. It had Ronnie Garvin in it. Uh, he watched a video of the end of the tag match from the night before where he and Malenko had squared off against each other after it was over and both had to be pulled apart. Uh, everybody from the dressing rooms had to come down and get those two separated after the main event was over. And uh, that was the real reason, I guess, uh, Don Curtis was forced to give him the upcoming Russian death match. He'd seen enough, I guess. And he finally said, I guess, well, I'm going to have to go ahead and book this thing. So the great Malenko had pre-recorded comments in this profile. And Malenko was happy about finally getting the Russian death match with Garvin. Like I said, almost four months after he started asking for one, just as soon as he arrived in Southeastern, and uh, that he wanted uh, he really wanted this chain match. He was happy that he got the Russian death match, but he really wanted his Russian chain match more. So he's really not satisfied yet anyway. So then Garvin finished with comments about his never ducking Malenko's challenges, that Don Curtis had been the guy that didn't want to have that match mm-hmm. and didn't want to do the, put give fans that type of match because of the how dangerous they were. 
and uh, just how how uh, wow they were horrible. Some parts of uh, these chain matches and Russian death matches were mm-hmm. really really hard for fans to be able to take. So uh, you know, and but uh, Garvin said, you know, he was ready for Malenko, and he said, I've been told this, I've been ready for him since he got here. I would have done this months ago if it had been up to me. So then uh, Jimmy Golden, the owner of the beautiful now, the Ford LTD Landau, he won it the night before. He had put up his $7,500 against the car. He beat Phil Hickerson, and uh, he was teamed with his former partner, Bob Roop, and they were headed, man, in the next match uh, for the Southeastern Tag Championship the following Friday night against Ron Wright's champion, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson. And uh, Rob said, uh, man, fans erupted when uh, Golden and Root hit the studio. Uh, they got a great win over a good heel team. As Ron Wright took his team to the set, and then he watched the match. And he spent most of his time explaining how mad his man Hickerson was to have lost that car and how it was just going to make his team give them boys a good old Tennessee dog whooping <laughs> there he six goes. days later. <laughs> no. So uh, both teams then came did their interviews after that match. Uh, and, wow, I'm sure the interviews were great. Uh, things were really rocking. It was so easy to do great interviews, man, when you were when you were inspired by the studio mm-hmm. crowds were great <laughs> for the TVs. And, uh, wow, when you were wrestling at the amphitheater and places like that, uh, it was really, really something special. So uh, then the TV closed with the great Malenko. And, uh, wow, he stomped the living life out of another one of those young baby faces. And, uh, and then uh, he gave Garvin uh, – uh, he and Garvin t- talked about what they were going to do to each other six <laughs> nights after that. Wow. God. That was an incredible TV stud, no doubt about it. It was the next to the last week in July 1978 rating period. So I don't know how your Southeastern Wrestling TV show numbers or any other show numbers could get any better than that 80 share you got last time. So I'm not sure what's to be expected this time. That meant of the four... The 80 share meant of the four local stations in the Knoxville market, four stations, eight out of 10 homes were watching your TV show in that time frame. They were watching wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Dave, uh, honestly, man, I don't think I've ever remember anybody's TV show getting an 80 share before. Uh, I never, I've seen some great numbers. Florida championship wrestling had tremendous audiences. Yeah. Yeah. uh, A lot of different territories, but uh, 80 share is pretty darn remarkable. So we were aiming man at at building the same type of numbers down there in the Gulf coast. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. was my, that was really my focus because that territory had kind of gone downhill and they had lost a lot of their audience. Yeah. And uh, my aim was to, to get to that 80 share down there in the Southeastern Gulf coast, <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and, and we're experiencing the same thing where yeah. down there we are in the same second, uh, you know, rating periods since that company opened up. So 
it's really essential for us to keep growing down in, in that part of the country as well. Yeah, no doubt. And and the the crazy thing is, and even back then in 1978, I don't know what the population of Knoxville was, but it was probably a quarter million at least at the time. Today's, today's probably at least half a million, maybe three quarters. I don't know. But when you think of 80% of everybody available is watching your show, that's that's pretty humbling. All right, that's going to be uh, fun to see those numbers down down there when the books come out. So let's get the results of the card and the TV show that we just talked about. Okay, so Steve Kyle in that first match beat Ted Allen. Uh, and uh, Ted Allen uh, might not have been as good a wrestler as he was a trainer, you know. I, but uh, Ted, Ted turns out to be a pretty decent wrestler, man, and uh, – like I said, he did train Arn Anderson, and I think he trained quite a few guys, as a matter of fact. Uh, Rip Smith won over Gorgeous George Jr., and uh, Gigi went crazy after this match. Uh, he attacked Rip, and he threw him off that huge ringside platform there in the amphitheater. It's about a six-foot drop, uh, you know, uh, down, in, in, down in that area that we called the wrestlers, we called it the pit, man. It was in front of the big grandstand of the amphitheater. So the grandstand came right down to the to the same level as where the the ringsiders were, but then they built the ringside platform and that old stage area uh, up about six feet higher than the grandstand. So, you know, Gigi throws <laughs> Rip Smith after him. He's already lost the match. He gets him. Uh, attacks him and then he throws him off into that pit. I've never seen that done before or since. Kind of a strange thing to have happened. So uh, Conry and Nickerson, they were managed by Ron Wright successfully, uh, you know, uh, and they defended their southeastern tag belts against Jimmy Golden and Bob Roop. And uh, and uh, Ron Wright, man, was not only a great mouthpiece for that team, but uh, Many times, and I probably should say most of the time, he's the reason that they won. I mean, obviously, he did a lot more than run his mouth on TV. No, he he backed it up with dirty, dirty, dirty deeds in the actual matches themselves. So, uh, so everyone that is willing, you know, to to, to go a little extra effort, we got a special treat for next Tudcast, Dave. Uh, the TV show for the next podcast is the only Southeastern Knoxville TV show prior to 1979 that still exists It's in its entirety, to my knowledge. So fans uh, can find this TV show. Uh, it was done on Saturday, July 29, 1978. It's on the Classic Continental Wrestling streaming channel right now. And uh, they can become full-time subscribers to the channel or just take advantage of the one-week free trial offer that we got out there for. And uh, that way they can not only see that actual Southeastern Knoxville TV show mm -hmm. that's going to be discussed in next week's studcast, uh, but it's, it's going to be uh, – they can watch whatever else they want to watch on the uh, streaming channel as well. So – you know, they can subscribe or they can just go on there, take the free trial offer, the one week free trial offer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think once they see what's on there, a lot of them are going to decide, wow, this is the, this is where to find, see old school wrestling. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. Oh, no doubt. Wow. And that's that is too cool. 
and this is this is big news, Stud. Studcast fans will be able to watch the only original Southeastern Knoxville TV show from 1974 to 1979 that still exists. All they have to do is go online, classiccontinentalwrestling.com, sign up for the one-week free trial, then look under Southeastern TV shows where it'll be the first one on there. That's cool. That's all they need to do. It's pretty simple, Dave. And uh, they're going to get to see that special TV. And as, and as much as they like, man, free for an entire week on the channel there. And uh, uh, if they want to subscribe, that'd be great. And, uh, and uh, I really hope that uh, a lot of people take advantage of this and just see what's on there. So uh, uh, looking forward to, to uh, and I just wanted to bring it up because it, it'll never happen again. Won't be exp- I won't be describing any of these TVs <laughs> anymore yeah. where they'll ever actually be able to go and see the actual TV. This is wow. the only time it's going to happen. Hey, listen, so if you've been thinking about this, if you've been thinking about being froggy and you just haven't leapt yet, then this is a great opportunity for everybody to see exactly what you've been describing every week for years now. For fans out there that want to take advantage of this, we're going to give you the info again in the break in the show. That's coming up and at the end of the studcast as well. So right back to it. Let's see what's going on with old school stuff. The next match for July 28th, 1978. It's a Friday. Yeah. So, well, you know, Ron Wright, man, uh, Carried his team to victory by doing some underhanded things, as always. And uh, obviously, he did whatever it took as a manager to, to, to keep uh, keep the belts around the waist of Condry and Higgerson. And, uh, and he he got them through to that win over Jimmy Golden and Bob Root. And then the Stomper, he was kind of hard-pressed to get a victory over the young star Kevin Sullivan. Wow, Kevin was really on fire, man. He loved it in Knoxville, and the fans loved him. And, in fact, in this match for their championship, the Stomper won because Sullivan got disqualified. Kevin went nuts, and he got disqualified. So uh, so then uh, the Russian death match between the great Malenko and Ronnie Garvin, according to my brother, what my brother told me, he said was Ron was one of the – most bloody matches he had ever seen. And uh, and it was just the beginning of this great rivalry between these two, Garvin and Malenko. Uh, and in the hair versus hair match, Rob got his revenge, man, for the loss of his own hair six months earlier. And he said that, that all that he, Don Carson, had gotten over the years since he'd been there. And I got to looking back, Don Carson arrived in in Southeastern Wrestling in uh, early 1976. So he's been driving fans crazy for two years. And Rob said that after that, uh, <laughs> after all those years, you know, uh, he said when he pinned him, he said it culminated in a tremendous pop, man, as the referee counted old Carson out. Wow. You know, what a huge pop he said it was. And then then Carson, as, <laughs> as you would expect, uh, had a temper tantrum in the ring, man. He claimed to have won the match, mm-hmm. and then he, he tried to get out of the ring, and he did everything he could to keep keep from losing his hair, but it didn't work for him. You can't shave those blonde locks from that head. Oh, my <laughs> God. That sounds like an incredible night for fans. So how did you do attendance-wise in the amphitheater? Well, man, we had 
5,900 fans, man, just wow. below 6,000 fans again in the amphitheater. Uh, bigger crowds than we were able to put into the Coliseum because wow. it actually held a few more people than the Coliseum. Yeah. And uh, wow, things were really, really going crazy up there. Yeah, hey, I want to mention this because you mentioned this earlier. New wrestlers that you talked about that with this huge, huge event coming at the end of August. Well, you know, thanks for reminding me, man. You know, there were quite a few new wrestlers coming, man. In the month of August alone, uh, we were going to have from Australia uh, a German named Hans Schroeder. Uh, we're going to have a masked man called the Mask. Jawjacker. We're going to have Bill Dundee <laughs> and we're going to have Roy Lee Welch's older brother, Jack Welch, hmm. uh, coming in August of uh, 1978. So uh, the huge event uh, comes at the, you know, will come at the end of August. Uh, another huge event. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit, just a second about this, because this is something unbelievable, Dave. Uh, uh, it may be the most creative event we ever did in Southeastern wrestling history. Uh, it's going to be a two night in a row tournament in the Coliseum. It's going to be on a Thursday night, August 31st, and it will continue on into a Friday night of September 1st. It's a two night tournament. It, and it may be the first interactive event with the fans in wrestling history. This is an interactive event. Uh, it's not just matches. Uh, and it's interactive because a lady from the crowd is going to win. One lucky lady is going to win a $5,000 mink coat and by picking the winner of the tournament. And then the winner of the tournament, the wrestler himself, is going to get the shot at Harley Race for the NWA world title three weeks later. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So two nights, a two nights in a row tournament. With some young lady winning a mink coat and the tournament winner gets a shot at the King Harley race. So how did you how did you tie all that together? What was that all about? Well, we, we got a lot more riding to do in this one, Dave. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That event is five weeks down the road. I just wanted to, you know, to just touch on it a little bit, you know, before it happens, because uh, it is a spectacular event. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Hey, there you go again. You're teasing me. You, I'm trying to get out. You keep pulling me back in. So I think, I think this is a good spot for a break. Let's do that. We'll give fans another opportunity to get ready for next week's special studcast. That is the only studcast so far that has the actual TV show available for fans to watch. When we return, we'll ride south into the red hot southeastern Gulf Coast territory. That's coming up next on this studcast. Okay, fans, while we're taking this break, if you want to see an actual entire Southeastern TV show, this is your opportunity. The TV show of July 29th, 1978 is now on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com, Ron's streaming channel. It's the TV that Ron's going to be describing in the next studcast. When you go there to see it, look for Southeastern, click on it. It'll be the first TV show there. When you go to ClassicContinentalWrestling.com, you can sign up for the one-week free trial and watch all you like. Then you can decide if you would like to subscribe for only $4.99 per month. Or for me, I would get it out of the way 
and I would just be kicked back for only $39.99 for an entire year. That's a tough deal to beat right there, and you can't. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. you got to check it out. All right, stud, let's get back into the second half of this studcast. So where are we riding now? Well, we're headed into Mobile, Alabama, Expo Hall, man, on Tuesday night, August the 1st, 1978. Uh, we're going to have another great card for you, Dave. Uh, man, that two new wrestlers are going to open this card pretty much like it happened uh, up there in uh, Knoxville. Uh, one of which of those is going to become a major star in the future, man, for Southeastern Gulf Coast. And uh, we just had, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it, we just had, like I said, two young guys open up the match in Knoxville. And then this one, uh, one of the guys is named Mike Hendricks, and he's going to be facing off with one of the stars of the future for Southeastern Gulf Coast, who's making his first appearance ever. In, uh, in that territory, Norvell, Austin. So then Mike Stallings is going up against David Schultz after losing that loser leave, loser kisses the winner's feet match from the week before. They're back again. And then the controversial Gulf Coast tag match from the week before where Wildman Fargo turned on his partner, Ricky Gibson. They were, they were going to settle it. Uh, or they were going to start to settle it. They're not going to finish it, but they're going to start to settle it. And uh, Fargo is going to be facing off against uh, Ricky Gibson, his former partner. And then I would be defending the Gulf Coast belt against a great competitor, man, and a good friend uh, still to this very day, uh, Jerry Briscoe. And we're going to be working. Uh, he's coming in and working the territory for a few days. Once you come see what's going on down there in Pensacola, and I'm uh, going to give him an opportunity, and I'm going to get a chance to wrestle him a couple of times uh, in those couple of days that he's there. And then the Assassins, uh, managed by Billy Spears, are going to be defending their Gulf Coast tag belts against the former star in Gulf Coast and still very popular there in that area, Ricky Fields. And his partner is going to be Tony Charles. And then uh, in the next match, Dave, it's going to be the answer to your question earlier, man, mm -hmm. about the – the main event is going to explain it. It's a judo jacket match okay. Between, okay. <laughs> between Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, Bob Armstrong, <laughs> and the United States karate champion, Ron Slinker. Man, again, that's another great card. And again, with six matches. So I got another question, Ron. Why, if Ron Slinker was the United States karate champion, why was he not going against Bob Armstrong in a karate match? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I mean, uh, was, uh, well, technically, now the you know, uh, technically, the National Wrestling Alliance did not sanction karate matches. You know, uh, and you could, as a promoter, schedule a uh, uh, a judo match, a judo jacket match. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, those type of matches were recognized as the NWA mm -hmm. at, as an event. Uh, and Bob, Bob Armstrong, you know, being a former Marine, he was trained in uh, judo, some judo moves, and mm -hmm. uh, obviously in some karate, too, as wow. well. So, you know, uh, but uh, you, 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 the National Wrestling Alliance did not really sanction the karate match. All right, so there were not going to be 
any karate matches between Armstrong and Slinker at all because of that? Well, now, Dave, I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Uh, right. You know, uh, what's the old saying? Where there's a will, there, there's usually always a way. Here you go again. It's another tease and then a freeze. You trying to work <laughs> me, stud. I know what you're doing. All right. So let's hear about what was on the TV that promoted this great card because it was a good one, really good one. Well, the TV for this card was made in Dothan on the third Saturday in July. It was the third round of that Southeastern Gulf Coast TV championship tournament that we were having for the whole month of July. And there were only four of the eight men that started in the tournament that were still left. And uh, there's going to be two more championship matches on this TV. Okay. Uh, David Schultz is going to be against Charlie Cook. Uh, they were both winners in the first week of the tournament. And uh, then uh, they're going to be in the first match of this TV show that we're going to be talking about. And then the last match of the TV show we're going to be talking about, Tony Charles was going to face Eddie Mansfield. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're getting down to the finish of the tournament after this particular TV. Uh, next week, it's going to be the finals, obviously. And uh, the two winners from this TV show are going to go up against each other. And the big old TV trophy is going to be presented to the winner at the end of that show on next week's TV. Wow. I mean, this tournament has been really fantastic so far. I can only imagine what kind of ratings are going to be produced over the four Saturdays in July of 78. So what else was on, on this particular TV? Well, the open with Charlie Platt and Gordon Soley on the set. Uh, and then they had the huge TV trophy sitting between them and uh, they covered the tournament. They covered the first and the last match, both of which were going to be uh, for the TV trophy match, you know, and then they, then they told fans they would also be seeing who they were going to be seeing during the course of the show, other than the ones involved in the TV tournament. And the giant TV trophy man was placed in the ring. Bang, bang. Charlie Cook got a huge hand from the studios. He entered the ring. And David Schultz got just the opposite reaction when he came out of the dressing room and went into the ring. And within about the first three minutes, the opening of this show, the bell rang, and we were wrestling. So, you know, that, that was great. I always loved it when we could put a show together in which fans saw bang, 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 and all of a sudden you're you got a match going. So it was great. It was a good start, I, I thought, to this particular show. Then in the second segment show, I thought might have been even a little better. Uh, Charlie and Gordon kind of invited invited out uh, Ricky Gibson, who was heavily taped, uh, and uh, they, they're going to see why. And he got a huge response from the TV audience. Ricky Gibson was a tremendous wrestler, and he was loved. It was his home area down there. He was from Pensacola. And, uh, you know, he got a great response for the TV audience, but they had no idea what they were about to see on the video because they're Dothan fans and they're going to see something that happened four days earlier in Mobile. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so then uh, obviously Charlie and uh, Gordon asked Wayne Register, director of the Southeastern Gulf Coast TV show to run the video. And uh, the studio crowd was watching in the monitors in the studio and uh, they were reacting to what they were seeing. And that opened up with uh, Ricky Gibson making a tremendous comeback at the end of this championship tag match with his partner, Wildman Fargo, in the corner. And uh, 
and it uh, you know the the fans in the studio they went uh, you know they were going nuts man just watching on the monitor what ricky was doing and he did he just really took total control to the end of this championship match drop kicked both of the assassins uh knocked us billy spears off the apron and then covered the second assassin for the win man it was over and uh and then it shows Wildman fargo uh uh, Ricky's getting the two count, and he comes right out of the corner and drops his knee in Ricky's back. Whoa! And when that happened, that studio went from roaring and uh, cheering to complete silence. It's wow. like, wow, what in the heck? So, uh, and then uh, they were silent, man. The three wrestlers, and then it was it was the two assassins and Fargo. And manager Billy Spears, they were all for just putting the boots to Billy. The, the you know they had busted him open. He was bleeding, mm-hmm. and uh, the crowd went from cheering to booing the TV audience. Wow. And just like they were at the building, it was like they were seeing it. They were seeing it for the first time, and that huge mobile crowd in the video uh, added their voices to what was going on with the studio. And it was basically, man, to me, it was by far the best piece of video we had shown so far in southeastern Gulf Coast. And that 6,000-plus crowd looked great. It sounded like 12,000. So when the video ended, Ricky was a bloody mess. But uh, he thanked the studio audience for their support, and he vowed to get even with Fargo in the coming week. And uh, so... That's when Wildman Fargo came out of the dressing room and into the ring for the second match. So, wow, these fans had been on a little roller coaster ride. They saw Ricky tearing things up. They saw the Fargo getting him from behind. They saw the little, the treachery and the, and you know, uh, what had gone sour for Ricky. And then all of a sudden, here comes the guy that's responsible for it all in the second match. And uh, obviously, he got they the studio went nuts basically, and that they didn't quit booing him for the entire match. <laughs> and Fargo, Don Fargo, was one of the greatest heels in the sport of wrestling. Period. He just was so talented, you know that uh, the more they booed him. The louder they got, the more he loved it. And uh, and he had to display at the end of it, man, just to show he stood over his vanquished foe and he gave him that sh- double bicep shot, man. He had a great body, Don Fargo, all his life. He was in great shape. And uh, he had to just show off a little bit on the very end of it because they were hating him so much. And then Billy Spears back there in the dressing room with his two assassins. And he was an old pro too, man. And he saw the heat. (laughs) Nobody told him to do this. He saw what was going on and how much heat Fargo was getting that as soon as Fargo popped that shot on a man and the, the double bias shot, he brought his assassins out of the dressing room and they went into the ring and held up Fargo's hand in victory, man. <laughs> so uh, basically this angle had really gotten over, man. And the single matches between Fargo and Gibson that were coming up, with everything else that we were doing in this territory mm-hmm. at that time, we were going to set new records, man, the upcoming week. I'm telling you what, that is a great beginning to a TV show. You were just getting 
to the personality profile. So who was on that? Well, man, as as you can see, we were building building the heat in this one basically, and the, and I had missed basically the last TV show being in Knoxville for the weekend. Uh, but the fans in the studio had not forgotten how much they hated me. I can tell you that. So, uh, so they let me know, and they let my buddy Ron Sleeker know as soon as we came out of the dressing room and went to do the profile. And we did the profile just sitting feet, just a few feet away from the studio crowd. Wow, I mean, very, very close to them. So I sat down with Charlie and Gordon, and a Slinker stood behind my chair, patting me on the shoulder as I tore into Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, Bob Armstrong. You know, I had myself some fun and he did too. And, uh, you know, so after I got my little say in and after we had kind of laughed and you know, joked about Mr. Goody Two Shoes and, you know, and what a loser and the whole damn deal, you know, then uh, then he says, uh, you know, Ron, he goes, uh, how would you like to see what I did to him last week? You know, he goes, uh, how, that you you haven't seen how I cost him loss in the TV tournament, have you? <laughs> so, you know, I said, well, heck, I know I haven't seen it. You know, Ron, I, you got it? He said, sure I have. So he made Charlie and then Gordon uh, get to ask the director up there in the, <laughs> in the booth to play the video. That, uh, that Slinker had gone in earlier in the day and sat down with the director of the show and they had him cut and cut that piece so they could use it. So it was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to, to Charlie and to Gordon as well. And uh, boy, as soon as they started into that piece where he uh, hit Bob with that karate chop that cost him the win, and uh, Mansfield got a win over Bob Armstrong, which that was amazing. Boy, the studio couldn't stop booing, man. And, and uh, you know, and Slinker and I, we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and what they all look how unhappy the crowd is. <laughs> oh, you poor people. We had a good time. It was a personality profile of which me and Ron Slinker really, really enjoyed ourselves. And uh, we watched it and then we ended the profile by saying the two of us were going to personally end Mr. Goody Two Shoes' career right here in the Gulf Coast. Uh, Okay, Ron, was anything good going to happen for the fans that day? <laughs> anything? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, probably, it don't sound much like it, you know, but uh, but uh, here, well, I guess I'm going to hand it to you, man. Guess who came out of the dressing room for the next match? Tell us, tell us. Mr. Goody Tushy. Well, of man. course he did. And the roof came <laughs> off that studio. Yeah. Gosh, they love Bob Armstrong. It was ridiculous. And they were ready for the man. And I he gave them a show, I can tell you that, man. Uh, he And he won his match with, of all things, a karate chop to the throat. <laughs> it was illegal. But he wanted to – he wanted to – he was – he was talking to me and Rod Slicker. That's exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And and we had cranked him up during that profile. He sat back there and there's a monitor in that dressing room. And wow, he, he came out. He was a ball of fire. He went out and destroyed his opponent. And then he made, wow, a terrific interview in the body of the show that, that went into every market and the, and the fans had to do uh, you know a chance to do much celebrating uh, 
You know, they hadn't had a chance to do much celebrating up to that point. But, boy, they tore the place down at that point, man. Wow. I mean, he had them going. So uh, it was time for the last match in the show and uh, to see who was going to meet David Schultz, who had won that first first match against Charlie Cook for the TV trophy the next Saturday. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful trophy was placed in the ring again, and Eddie Mansfield was introduced. And uh, – I thought I knew Tony Charles was getting over. I thought I had really had a feeling that Tony was getting over. But when he entered the studio that day, I realized I had no idea how he was getting over. I mean, the roof came off as he was introduced. And wow, did he make that crowd happy. I mean, he did these throws, Dave, that I'd never seen him do before. I thought I'd seen him do all of this English-style stuff, but uh, he'd been holding stuff back. And on the finish of this match, he did the most spectacular move I had ever seen him do. Mm -hmm. And he and Mansfield were had locked hands with each other. And uh, Mansfield had gotten him on his back and was laying head to head on top of him. Mm -hmm. And Mansfield was, uh, was uh, pushing his body up in the air and then coming down with all his weight on Tony's chest. Mm -hmm. And he did it a couple of times. And then the third time Mansfield went to push himself up uh, so he could crash down again, Tony Charles reached up with his legs and he caught and he put him in the hips of, of Mansfield. And, uh, and then uh, so because they were still, their hands were locked, then he, Mansfield couldn't come down on top of him and it made Mansfield rock backwards. And uh, when he did, it it pulled Tony up off his back and standing up in on the hips of uh, Mansfield. Now he's standing up high, ran uh, with his head is probably three feet higher than Mansfield's head is. His feet still in Mansfield's hips, and uh, Eddie was pinned back against the ropes. Wow! And then Tony paused there for just a second, man, hmm. and then he threw all of his weight straight back toward the mat. He still had his hands locked with Mansfield. So that catapulted Mansfield, not just off the ropes, it shot him skyward. I mean, he went straight up into the lights of the studio. He went so high that one of his wrestling boots hit the studio ring lights. Had to be at least 12 feet above the ring. Wow. Okay. Wow. So the studio crowd exploded. And so did Eddie Mansfield when he finally came down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 just, it just, you could hear the wind blow out of his body. It was one of the most beautiful finishes I've ever seen. And uh, Tony shot over there, covered him, man. And the ref counted Mansfield out and raised his hand. And everybody in that studio was on their feet. Wow. wow, he had just he had just taken everybody to a level that, that I'd never seen before in that studio. That's a pretty awesome end to a TV show, two TV shows to be exact, when you consider both ter territories and both in the rating periods. So how about the results of those matches in Mobile? Okay, so Norville Austin, man, got off to a great start as a heel, man. He got himself a win over Mike Hendricks. And, uh, you know, within a short period of about a month, the Southeastern Gulf Coast Territory had been introduced to two stars that were going to change Southeastern Gulf Coast wrestling history forever. And that was Tony Charles and Norvell Austin, 
both of these guys make an appearance and within four weeks of each other. Pretty amazing, man, when you bring in that type of talent in. Uh, and uh, then there's a lot more of them still to come. Uh, Charlie Cook uh, beat Eddie Mansfield. Uh, Mike Stallings and David Schultz wrestled to a 30-minute time limit draw this time. Nobody kissed anybody's feet. Uh, Ricky Gibson won over Wildman Fargo. And then I successfully defended my Gulf Coast title against Jerry Briscoe. Uh, Jerry Briscoe was such a spectacular talent, man, uh, just as his brother Jack Briscoe, the former NWA world champion. Fans, when in that match, were treated to a look at, into the future, southeastern Gulf Coast, mm -hmm. uh, where they're going to see these type of matches every week, man, in the future. Uh, that territory was just going to be on fire for years and years. Uh, the Assassins, managed by Billy Spears, successfully defended their belts. With the win, they beat Ricky Fields, uh, who was a local boy. Uh, but Ricky looked good during the match. And, uh, you know, uh, and Tony Charles, they weren't going to beat Tony Charles, I can tell you that. So, and, uh, so they got the only guy they had a chance of getting to. And then Mr. Goody Tushies, Bob Armstrong, <laughs> he went out and he won the judo jacket match over Ron Slinker. But, uh, but, you know, he didn't get out of the ring soon enough, and he still got a little taste of me before it was all over. Really? You know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it was just about enough. <laughs> it was just about taste enough that uh, it took all the police and all the security in the building, man, to get me and Slinker back to the dressing room alive. <laughs> and he had won the match. <laughs> that was the crazy thing. You know, I mean, if we had won the match, that would have been, uh, you know, uh, well, they, they want to get they want to get us, but he won the match and they still wanted to get us. So I can't imagine what would happen if he lost. <laughs> but thank goodness he didn't lose. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what was the attendance for this one in Mobile? Stud? Well, we were not in the big building this time as we had been the week before when we had a big crowd, you know, and we sold out the Expo Hall, which held uh, supposedly around 5,000 fans. Uh, but uh, the match sold out, uh, you know, uh, 30 minutes before match time. The building was sold out, you know, but we still managed to put 5,300 people in there. So we went past that 5,000 that they said was the uh, capacity, and they let us go to about 5,300. Wow. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, it was a... Uh, it was if we had been in the bigger building, I don't know where we would have gone. It could have been uh, maybe seven. Wow. Wow. All right. I got to tell you, it's been another history filled stud cast today. And I'm sorry, but we're not going to have enough time for a learning tree question. We're certainly going to try to get that back on for you next week. We'll make a valid effort for that. Hey, listen, you really had a lot going on in the summer of 1978, Ron. No doubt about it. These stud casts. Give us all an idea of just how much. I know that when you do these various wrestling events around the country, fans are thankful for what you do here and all the other ways you promote old school wrestling. That's really got to make you feel good. Well, yeah, it certainly does, Dave. You know, and I, and I got to thank my grandfather and my father and all my family members before me for the profession they chose. And the life of a professional wrestler is what I dreamed of from the time I was a little boy. And, and I've certainly never been sorry about 
my wrestling years. Wow, I just really, really love my wrestling years. And, you know, before we close today, you know, I want to remind everyone about next week's uh, studcast number 263. And uh, that Again, for the first time, we're going to have the actual TV show that goes with the episode that we'll be talking about. And uh, it was recorded, this show, on July 29, 1978. And it's the only surviving episode of Southeastern Wrestling from 1974 until 1979 uh, that I'm aware of. And you can see it for free by going to ClassicContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel, sign up for the one-week free trial, or subscribe if you want, and uh, then go to Southeastern Wrestling, the logo, once you get on the streaming channel, and uh, it'll be the first TV show you see under Southeastern Wrestling. Uh, It's a rare opportunity to see all the bells and whistles, along with some of the great stars that we were using uh, to make Southeastern the best TV wrestling show of its time. Oh, no doubt about it. That's awesome. Okay, folks on Facebook, to become friends with Ron, you can go to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page. Like him, follow him there, and you automatically become friends with a legend. On Twitter, follow him at Ron Fuller Welch. The website, visit the stud on that tremendous website, tnstud.com. It's got everything. Great videos, a photo gallery, hundreds of photos of wrestlers, Every studcast ever done is free. That's every studcast ever done, including this one, number 262. That'll keep you busy for a little while. And 43, 43 hours of, or 43 super studcasts, actually. Each one of those is three hours. That's a tremendous amount of super studcasts. They're all there for only $2.99. Shop the stud store for all kinds of souvenirs, personally autographed photos, T-shirts, and his thrilling lion novel, Brutus. Southeastern Rewind on YouTube is still full of great shows and up-to-date information about Ron's fantastic streaming channel at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. It's all there, and it always will be. Every week, things are added. Ten more Southeastern TV shows from 1981 are being added, bringing that total to 47 already with more continental wrestling TV shows and another chapter of Brutus and so much more. Well over 145 hours now of old school wrestling entertainment. And it's only the beginning folks subscribe now at classic continental wrestling.com four ninety nine per month, only four ninety nine per month or thirty nine ninety nine one time. Boom. Knock it out. You get the entire year. It's the best old-school streaming site on the planet. Don't miss this special offer right now for a limited time. Get a free one-week trial on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. All right, Stud, so where do we ride next week? Well, Knoxville, man, has an amazing card next week. Uh, I've been looking ahead at this one. Uh, It's a loser leave southeastern with my brother, Robert. Uh, who's going to be seconded by Rip Smith, and he's going to be wrestling against Don Carson, who's going to be managed by Gorgeous George Jr. So Gorgeous George Jr. has worked his way back to being a manager, and, uh, you know, he's going to main managing Don Carson. That's a combination that's rare uh, for sure. Uh, also on this card for Knoxville, Jimmy Golden's father was putting up his hair 
to get Jimmy and Bob Roop another shot at Ron Wright's tag champions, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickers, <laughs> plus more. Uh, then Southeastern Gulf Coast, we weren't going to be outdone down there, <laughs> I'll tell you that, by what they were doing up north. And uh, Bob Armstrong was going against Ron Slinker in an NWA non-sanctioned lights-out karate match. By golly, we're going to give them karate match, uh, and the NWA won't sanction it, but uh, that's why they called it a lights-out match. We're going to turn out the lights uh, for two seconds uh, before the main event, signifying that the NWA has no no uh, rights to the match. Uh, they do not sanction the match. And uh, then we're going to have a karate match between uh, uh, the United States karate champion and uh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, Bob Armstrong. Uh, also <laughs> on that card, Ricky Gibson is going to be in a loser league match with Wildman Fargo, plus more there too. Mm-hmm. So hopefully uh, we'll hope have enough time next week for the learning tree question as well. Uh, we'll do our best to get there. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening today, and please tell your friends and neighbors about us. Uh, take care of yourselves and others, and may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.